hello listeners. I know it's been a while. This is Brett, the petite polymath, and today we're going to be talking about the first fiction book I've actually finished in the last few months, and that is The Final Revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton. Get into it! Okay, hello everyone. It is now August. I have moved to Nashville. I am quasi-settled in, um, and I've been reading, like, three books at the same time, two of them not fiction, Uh, so that's why it's taken me a while to actually do a podcast, but I just finished this book a few minutes ago, and it was really excellent. It took me a while just merely because I just had other things going on, Um, but uh, as a, a music lover, I highly recommend The Final Revival of Opal and Nev um, because it really kind of sums up some really key themes about particularly popular music, uh, and I'd say popular music in the West, um, you know, the U.S., Western Europe in particular. Um, We've got some main characters. We have Opal Jewel and Nev. Uh, And Nev is British, white British man. Opal is a a dark-skinned black woman from Michigan. They are both misfits in their own right, and they start a punk band, for lack of a better word, or a punk duo. Uh, And they're actually being, like, kind of cajoled to come out of retirement for this... um, I guess a, a bit of a re, of a revival tour uh, in the in the present age um, by you know the powers that be um, of their old record label. You find out that they are being interviewed as well uh, by this woman named Sunny, who is a music journalist. She's a black woman, and she interestingly is connected to them because her father, uh, Jimmy or James, uh, was killed in a riot at the showcase for Opal and Nev's opening show, um, kind of in the, if I remember correctly, I think it's in the 70s um, or late 60s. I want to say it's it's the early 70s, the very early 70s that this is happening. And so that's her connection to Opal and Nev. Um, Her father, Jimmy, was a very well-respected drummer. He would play for any gig that, you know, would give him honest work because he saw it as a job. So he played with jazz um, groups, and then he also then ended up playing for, for um, Opal and Nev. And he uh, is engaged to um, Sonny's mother, then marries her, uh, and is having an affair with Opal, which doesn't spoil anything, um, because you kind of figure that out pretty fast as you start the book. So there's kind of this, you know, interpersonal conflict um, about Opal knowing he's a married man and still kind of, you know, perpetuating this relationship. And so Sonny is intrigued by this woman who is the reason for her father's death because he's dying, you know, his dying occurs um, at this show when um, you get more information about kind of what was going on at the showcase that made this happen. But some themes that stand out uh, throughout this story, which is kind of the backstory of how Opal and Nev even come to be, 
and then what happens in the years that they part ways, and then also what occurs as they decide to do this reunion tour, um, and then also what happens as Sunny convinces them to like be interviewed by her because she wants to write a book about them, uh, are some some pretty universal themes about um, about what it means to be a misfit, how that is a term that surpasses gender and ethnicity and socioeconomic status, uh, about the commodification of music, the commodification of black pain, the assumed inherent musicality of black people, uh, the co-opting and um, cultural appropriation of white people and the overarching majority culture uh, when it comes to um, art forms that maybe aren't seen as clean or pristine enough in their original form when performed by someone who isn't in this particular, you know, I don't know, uh, presentation. But then it is distilled and and diluted into something more acceptable and then becomes more popular. So you know how we have we have jazz, we have blues, we have rock and roll, and how these things are just iterations of themselves. Now we have hip hop and we had disco and we have electronic music, and all of these things have roots in black, particularly black American music, musical expressions. But then they are uh, diluted for the masses and commodified uh, in ways that then the people who actually create the things don't actually always even get the credit. Perfect example of this would be TikTok dances today. I think we've all learned about that phenomenon. So um, this is clearly not a new idea. Uh, there also is this, this other thing that struck me um, about women and their place in popular music, also particularly black women in spaces that are not quote unquote black. So punk music, for example. So I grew up in Mississippi and I remember going to punk rock shows with friends. All my friends were white at this point of my life uh, at the VFW, which freaked my parents out when I told them about this just maybe a year ago. And I'm 38 years old. And I remember sitting at the dinner table saying, oh yeah, I used to go to these punk rock shows at the VFW. And my parents stopped eating and looked at me like I was a crazy person and said, you went to the VFW? We didn't know you went to the VFW. I said, well, I told you I went to these shows. Well, you didn't tell us it was at the VFW because the VFW conjures up this idea of a certain sort of white person, particularly a scary, racist, veteran. That's what comes to mind. And apparently uh, it was historically known that people who looked like me were not welcome at the VFW. But at a punk rock show, even though there weren't very many black people, I never felt, you know, scared or nervous ever. Uh, so to have this character of Opal, and when I was thinking like, what is, who's someone that I think of in the modern day era who comes to mind? Grace Jones comes to mind when I think of her, this sort of larger than life woman, this very large persona, very striking, you know. Opal, I don't think is tall, but she's very dark and she's bald, she's alopecia. 
So she decides to just take advantage of that, right? We have Grace Jones, who's this beautifully androgynous, dark-skinned woman, you know, Jamaican descent. And she uses that androgyny, she uses that fierceness, that kind of not your, uh, you know, largely expected or accepted view of beauty, and she just runs with it. And she's fierce, and she makes you a little uncomfortable, but she's also intriguing. And that's what Opal kind of conjures up to me. And of course, her music, you know, kind of is across the gamut. Um, another person that comes to mind is Sister Rosetta Tharp, you know, one of the pioneers of rock and roll. Um, a bit more contemporary is um, the lead singer of the Noisettes. Uh, Shinaway, um, who is be- beautiful as well and can scream like no other. Um, and so this idea that what is something like punk or indie but a space for people who don't fit the textbook definition of something to express themselves. And that's not white and that's not male. That can be anyone. And yet there's not a whole lot of space in these worlds Um, for people who don't look a certain sort of white hipster way, you know. And the idea that that's not new either, that that, there's always been these boxes that they've wanted uh, people to fit into. There's some really interesting quotes um, that I just wanted to kind of read here. So Jimmy or James Curtis, who's the drummer, uh, he's talking about what it's like to be a jazz drummer and a musician. And so I just want to read this bit about the assumption of innate black musicality. Eventually, I did learn how to read music, and then I taught a lot of other cats coming up behind me. I still teach them, because that is my responsibility, from one black artist to another. They like to say, usually about us, oh, so-and-so just has a natural talent, a natural rhythm. You can't explain it. Ain't that disrespectful? Like, ain't this an art form that we practice too? That we put our brains and sweat and heart and soul behind so we can learn and improve, just like you? Which, you know, I think applies to both music and athleticism. These ideas that black people have this innate gift, uh, when really what it is is that these are people that also hone their craft. They are dedicated to the work. And for as much raw talent as might exist in a person, which is dispersed indiscriminately across gender and socioeconomic background and ethnicity, may I add, it is that being cultivated and nurtured for it to bloom and flourish. That's, that's where you really get what separates, you know, uh, the novices from the people who have become mastered, who have mastered something, right? You know, Kobe Bryant, who probably practiced free throws and three-pointers over and over and over. And Beyonce, who, you know, squeezed into a cat suit postpartum. I mean, like, the, the amount of blood and sweat and, and labor, um, the proms missed, and the times they couldn't go out with their family and their friends, and, and the... Uh, the normal things that weren't done, all in the quest of achieving something. It's not just something people are born with. So I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty timely. There was also another 
really lovely quote. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Ah, yes. Um. <laughs> oh, yes. Jimmy Curtis talking again about music. The music itself doesn't have a color. It's a continuum that starts with the drum and branches out from there. The industry and the money, that's what can mess everything up. I understand where black, where black folks are coming from. Rock and roll wasn't nothing but a step away from the blues. But the whites acted like it was their brand new bag and then had the nerve to cut most of us out when the money started rolling in. And uh, that's an accurate assessment. You saw it with every iteration of music and genre that would come up. And that's what's so beautiful, I think, right now about the current time we're in where people are opting out of labels. You know, you got Chance the Rapper, you had Logic, uh, who decided to go their own way and be independent and like cut the middleman out and go straight to the consumer. And it has not cramped their ability to reach the masses, nor has it impacted their pocketbook and probably has made them more free than they ever would have been otherwise. There's something to that because there's always been an abuse um, of that power, you know, people not even having agency to own the masters, their own work that they created and made, that they wrote, that they composed, that they didn't even own. Like, it is inconscionable. In fact, it's evil. I mean, yes, people should be able or should hopefully have legal counsel that could tell them, like, you should negotiate, that you have the rights to your work. But the fact that you even have to do that it's so highly unethical that you would have to even say that to someone. And, you know, I think about that also, and in, in, once again, in the athletic sphere, it's like plantations where you have, you know, old white men running corporations on the, on the labor of young, largely black men who at the end of the day you know, can be traded at any moment, I find that very unsettling and creepy. Like, I don't, and I mean, who, how many black owners do we have? How many owners are, are people of, of indigenous background, are even Asian or Latino? Like, I, I don't see any of these people. Women, I don't see any of that. I find that very creepy and very disturbing. Um, let's see, there was another good quote. Ah, yes. So this is Opal Jewel. And there's a time where her label gets frustrated with them. And so they, they take on um, a group that kind of reminds me of Leonard Skinner. It's probably not Leonard Skinner. I don't know enough about Leonard Skinner's background. I don't think, I mean, they probably did wave a Confederate flag at some point. But these guys are like kind of good old boys. And not all of them are bigots, but a couple of them are. And they're young and like they're kind of poor and white working class folk and so there's some of that tension between them and opal and nev and so um she says when their album came out with that terrible cover with the confederate flag all over it i went to a lot of these folks and asked them please back me up in calling bull everyone was too scared to rock the boat once it looked like the bounds were going to gobble up space in the records, though, suddenly these same people were up in arms. And that right there is very typical of white people. Won't do what's right till they're directly affected.
needless to say, there are a lot of very kind of poignant thoughts throughout this of just kind of how people let inappropriate behavior slide or they let people being cowards um, until, you know, the chickens come home to roost and show up at their door. Um, I'm going to now quote something and and the and the the n-word is going to be heard so if you have sensitive ears i'm just giving you a warning um opal is talking about um a song that they have performed quite a bit called who's the nigger now and she pushes back um in an, in an interview about the use of the word well of course i have a problem with the word nigger depending on the context if you say it or he says it that's you trying to put me in my place trying to remind me you're on top and i'm on the bottom it's menacing it's a weapon when i say it that's just me interpreting and mirroring back what's already been spat on me without my say so it's a word that the people in power here dump on people like me but they don't realize that sometimes people like me take all that junk and use it there's a really cool um podcast called still processing um affiliated with the new york times uh, Wesley and Jenna, they're two friends that work there and they, they do the podcast together and they talk about the use of this word and how they feel about it. And I, I think what, what was written here completely sums that up beautifully. Uh, one last quote is Opal's assessment of what's happening now, uh, in the current landscape. And this is, of course, this was, this came out, I think this year. Um, so the idea of, um, of Trump in office is something that's pretty fresh. And so Opal's talking about gifts, and then she starts to talk about Donald Trump. You see this orange idiot whipping up so much ugly at these rallies of his? You see all these brothers and sisters shot down like dogs and nobody pays? That sure ain't brand new. There's nothing but a throwback to the bad old days. And folks was on my TV the last election talking about post-racial. She exhaled and shook her head. But there's a flip side to that record, you'll see. The kind of feedback that makes your face screw up. And I think that that's another poignant detail. That we are not post-racial. We are not past these assumptions about how we are to be in space and what is deemed as beautiful and who gets ahead and who gets paid and gets the um the accolades they deserve you know while they're alive mind you not when they're dead and so i i just felt that um the final revival of opal and nev was incredibly timely i think it would be a beautiful film or short series, I could just visualize everything. And I'd love to see Opal uh, come to life um, in an actress. I think Michaela Cole would rock this character so well. Um, so I highly recommend this book. I just want to say again that it is by Donnie Walton. You should totally check it out. And I will be back in a gif with a few other things that I have been listening to that are making me happy. So some things I recommend. Um, I'm a big fan of the new Billie Eilish album. I want a hat tip to Father Thomas, um, my priest here in Nashville, who said, 
you have to listen to this album. I did not listen to her first album. I just knew a couple of the singles. But this album is great. She's reminding me, as is Olivia Rodrigo, of like that kind of um, 90s era of women that were singers. In the same way that I feel like Taylor Swift's folklore, um, and I think Evermore, reminded me of Jewel from the 90s. And I was like, I'm into this. It's kind of Lilith Fair-esque. Um, Olivia Rodrigo and Billie Eilish, they're a little bit, they're, they're not so folkish, but there is that singer-songwriter vibe to them that is also quite emotive. Um, and Billie's album, there's a little bossa nova, there's a little dancey, um, there's a little transgressive, but I really am enjoying this. So I highly recommend checking it out. I wish I could tell you the name of it, but it's not dropping down into my head at the moment, so it just is what it is. Um, also, if you are, if you have Netflix, I'd recommend watching Fantastic Fungi. It's finally on Netflix streaming. You don't have to pay for it on Amazon Prime. Um, is there anything else? I think that might be it for now. I hope to be reading some more fiction in the not-so-distant future, but my books are kind of not with me at the moment, so uh, we'll see how long it is until you all hear from me again. This is the Petite Polymath signing off. Everyone have a great weekend.